welcome to the Passion Fit Coaching podcast. This podcast is hosted by my husband, Tom Ward, and it is produced and directed by professional athlete Lydia Dant. Tom is our Passion Fit Coaching strategy... No, what are you again? What are you you actually? Coaching strategy creator. So whilst we're trying to figure out the finer details of what Tom's title really means, sit back and enjoy the podcast. Presence, focus and distraction, the difference between these three things and why it matters. Welcome to episode 18. That is correct. Of the Passion Fit Coaching Podcast. So we're in Lanzarote this week, aren't we Lids? Yeah, we are. We're a couple of days late on the podcast um, because we uh, a bit travelling and quite an intense uh, training camp to work through, didn't we? Yeah. For a few days. Um, it's very hot. <clears throat> so if you listen, bacon even for Lanza. So you might be listening to this in the summer at home. You might be listening to it in Lanzarote. But if you're listening to it this week when we're recording it, then um, I think it's quite nice at home, but probably not as nice as it is here. I'm actually sitting in my speedos and my even you've hat. said it's hot. It is hot actually. Even, like, I I like the heat, <laughs> and even I've said it's pretty hot. So, um, and we've got a swim camp coming out, haven't we? Yeah, we do. Uh, to, to tomorrow actually kicking off tomorrow so it? Lauren's arriving with 15 athletes tomorrow and we kick off properly on Saturday in a couple of days time so what we want to talk about today is presence focus and distraction what those three things are why the difference between them is important or what the difference between them is and why it's important and how understanding the difference between them could potentially help you with your journey yeah all right so the reason we're talking about this is because it's something we've been discussing. It actually came up on a training ride, didn't it, the other yeah, day? Yeah, it did. Out. So, but fact that case, do you want to tell me a bit more about it before <laughs> we before we go into a bit more detail? Because I, I do get told off a lot letting you uh, talk enough. It's all right, you speak a lot better than I do. I'm still practicing my speaking, remember? Um, <laughs> Which also comes on to why we're talking about this topic as well, essentially. It's just true, isn't it? Yeah, yes. it is. Yes. So, not being, you know, wanting to be... I was going to have a go... Were you going to have a go, were you? Yeah, I was. Well, I was going to have a little go. Cool. Um, so we are out on the training ride, weren't we? Um, mm. And it was gone up through Tim and Fire. Yeah. And we had done a bit of a Russian steps, which was quite fun. So a few max efforts up there. So Tim and Fire is, um, for those of you that know Lanzarote, we'll know it's like a, a longish, gradual climb, about 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Maybe 15 for you. Yeah, through the national yeah. <laughs> ten for Lydia. Through the national park, isn't it? Yeah. And um it's part of the Ironman course. So we were we were riding up there, weren't we? Yeah. yeah, we were. Um and after after we'd done our block of intervals, you said to me, Right, okay, off you go, sort of threshold effort up to the rise and then go and roll off and hold Ironman intensity after that until the end of the, the section essentially. Mm. And that's when we started to talk about the difference between presence, focus and distraction mm. um because would i have necessarily have had the presence to have made that decision or would i have been just so focused on the set i was doing i wouldn't have then been able to dynamically adjust yes that's right or would i just been so distracted that i might not have even start to do the session we'd done in the first place anyway mm-hmm. um because i was not necessarily in a place of that level of presence to work out what i was going to do and have having had thought the options to be able to dynamically adjust everything yeah so that's very well explained actually 
Thank you. It's because I'm really trying to think about my speaking. Yeah. And look, like, I, we, you know, we joke a little bit about this with you, don't we, Liz? But that's part of it as well, isn't it? This yeah. is something you find tricky, yeah. don't you, to do. It was also that I didn't realise how tricky I found it. Yeah. Um, so actually acknowledging that in the first case has been hard because I was a bit hypersensitive about it. What, the training piece or the talking piece? The talking piece. Talking piece, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it also does apply to the training piece as well. Because yeah. if you're going around thinking like you've got it all sorted and not yeah. actually taking that time to reflect and yeah. see if that is a skill set, and it, it always applies to anything, doesn't it, that yeah, you've got yeah. in your locker or not, then you're not going to be able to develop it. Yeah, that's right. And don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting for a second that I'm any... Um, Simon Sinek or Stephen Bartlett or, or even Paul Kay. Um, I definitely haven't got Paul Kay's radio voice. But, um, You're not Stephen Bartlett. I'm definitely not Stephen Bartlett. No, no, I don't even got anywhere near as much money as Stephen Bartlett either. So, but, um, uh, you know, one of the things, obviously, you know, you, one of the reasons for doing the podcast, we've said this before, isn't it, to try, is to try and slowly chip away at developing that skill set, um, something you find a little bit more tricky to do. Um, and, uh, you know, it is, it is harder than people think. I don't find it easy either. Um, but obviously, I've just had the privilege of being a little bit more practised at these kinds of things as a result of maybe the, the life journey and the career path I've had in the past. Um, so but this is this kind of links into that, doesn't it? This, yeah. This thing about being present and stuff is, is part of this. So, yeah, we were talking about this. So just to give some context to where this came up is that... Um, Obviously, where we're at in Lanzarote, we um, haven't been taking part in the virtual sessions that Lauren leads, which are very structured and very, you know, routine orientated through the week. And we both quite like routine, don't we? Oh, massively so. Yeah. So we we find routine to be a bit of a comfort for us both. And one of the things we decided to do on Monday was to use the session that Lauren had done with the group early in the morning on our own outdoor ride. But it's a little bit more difficult to do in an outdoor ride. So it was Russian Steps, if anyone's familiar with that set which consists of 15, 30, 45 and 60 second intervals done pretty hard. So we thought, oh, do you know what, well, we'll do this outside. We've done it outside before and it's quite good fun. Yeah, it's good fun, yeah. And we decided to do it up through Tim and Fire. But, um, you know, it uh, isn't the perfect duration because we couldn't get through a round number of sets. Um, And once we got to the top of the climb and got off the, the crest, then it was more difficult to work out exactly how we would fit in the next round. Um, and like we were saying, was, you know, th- th- there's two ways you could have gone about that, is just try to do it anyway, or consi- which would have been a bit about focus, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, I'm focused, I know what I'm doing, I'm going to stick to the set, I'm focused on my splits, I'm focused on my time intervals, my power, my RPE, whatever it might be, I'm really focused. Or actually, I need to think about some of the other variables that are coming into play here and consider whether I restructure this a little bit to, to counter for those and whether that restructure still adds the value that I need. And that was the difference between the two, wasn't it? A yeah. Bit. yeah. Um, you know, another little example of this is quite funny. I've trained with athletes in the past where they have like a, so they're outdoors and they'll have like a session to follow, a run or a bike session. And um, let's say, for example, an interval is is coming to an end and just before the end of the interval, let's say like it's a 10 minute interval and they've got 30 seconds left, they'll get to like a set of traffic lights that are red and they'll stop the Garmin at the red light, wait for the lights to change, get going again, restart the Garmin to finish the last 30 seconds of that interval. Now, for me, I mean, there's a couple of things going on there. There's a bit around understanding 
you know, actually understanding what you're trying to do and what you're trying to achieve, but also a little bit about presence for me. You know, you're very focused on the set, that's great, but are you really present in terms of thinking about what you're doing? You know, why not just start, stop, you know, stop the interval 30 seconds earlier? And the, the opposite applies. You yeah. know, people that will start an interval just before a set of lights, and that's probably more relevant about the presence piece. You know, you write, okay, you're looking at your Garmin thinking, my interval starts in one minute, my interval starts in 45 seconds, my interval starts in 30 seconds, um, and then you're like, right, go. And then 10 seconds later, you're on a set of traffic lights. And you're like, oh shit, now I've got to stop again. That's not good presence. That's focused, but not presence. Yeah, because you haven't been aware of other factors that you needed to take into account. So it's quite entertaining when you see that. And on runs, you know, what scares me on runs and a little bit on rides as well, but on runs is when people get distracted by, so they're so focused on their session, they, they then are basically not present with regards to things like dangerous risks, like crossing the road, traffic. You see it quite a lot, don't you? People taking unnecessary risks. Or even, um, we're talking about distraction and presence, how they link on a run, people with headphones in. And yes. My worry is, especially for women, is if you're running and you're unaware of surroundings and other people, the danger that that could create. Well, gosh, that escalated quickly, didn't it? We've gone from... Um... I know, but that's it, it concerns me because no, that true. is around like presence. Like I'm, I say I'm quite vigilant around my surroundings. Yeah. And when you think about mm-hmm. that and also then the fact that you've got dis- distraction through yeah. headphones plus yeah. distraction through actually doing exercise as well, because yeah. it is harder to concentrate yeah. in maximum capacity if you're like working a little yeah. bit harder. Those things combined, if you're not present, could have catastrophic consequences. They could. I know that did escalate from... from it did a little steps, bit, a little, but, yeah. <laughs> like it's quite an apt example. Yeah, yeah. Um, it worries me, that's why. True, it wasn't a subject matter that I was expecting <laughs> to, to be brought up. You are right um, in that, and of course, you know, I, as a man, you know, we have the privilege of not having to, you know, be blissfully unaware of the things that ladies might have to take into account and going, maybe as men we should consider it more. Um, I'm not sure in Cheltenham that the, the risk to male runners is particularly high, you know, um, it's quite a... You know, um, and certainly in Puerto Calero and Lanzarote, it's not. But, you know, you're right. Um, you know, as men, we don't think about this. But I certainly am, when I've got, I guess this is the point, isn't it? Do you put a set of headphones in and just carry on like normal? Or because you've decided to put your headphones in, you adjust your other behaviours accordingly? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. the thing, isn't yeah. it? So, yeah. for example, let's say you're on a shared footpath and you've got headphones in. Yeah. You're present enough to know to run on one side yeah. so that if a cyclist so comes up behind you, you're not in the way. Yeah, because yeah. you're not going to hear them coming. Um, so it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Like, my mum's a good example of this. She, if she, she won't listen to this. So she doesn't listen to the podcast. She doesn't pay attention. I don't think she knows what I do as a job. But um, she, um, uh, my mum's a good example of this because in the supermarket, Right? And, and, and other oh. people might think of that. They might, they might be able to relate this to This is them. why I like lockdown of having designated... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> in the supermarket, the, my <laughs> mum is the person that has her list and knows what she's doing and is blissfully unaware of anybody else in the supermarket. It's if she's on, you know, using the supermarket on her own. You know, and the trolley is parked up wherever she feels, well, just basically wherever she stops, at whatever angle, blocking whatever aisle, whatever access to anything, because she's totally, she's focused, she's really focused on what she's doing, but she's got no presence whatsoever. No awareness of what anybody else is doing. Um, and, um, you know, you, you are, you're quite a great risk of going to the supermarket, 
um, if you were going at the same time as my mum. You know, that anything could happen, right? So that's a good example, isn't it? We really good example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, didn't know we were going to go there either. So. Nope. so let's just go back to presence, focus and distraction. And we've got a few examples that might help with this that we talked about. And you, know, you might think of others. We might think of some more while talking about it. And we'd probably talk about this with our group um, on the seminar at some point in the next couple of weeks because we haven't talked to them about this. And this is a topic that we've only really just discussed ourselves. We're kind of ad-libbing a bit today. We ad-lib every week, don't we? Well, do say that. So, but we don't ad-lib on new topics. So let's just go through what we mean by these three, three th- these three things. So presence, I guess, is, a, is, is effectively an awareness of everything that's going around you. You've got all these data streams going on. It's the ability to filter the data streams in a, in a way that's effective for you to maximise the opportunity that you have. You, you, you reduce the risk to an absolute minimum and you increase the opportunity to an absolute maximum. I just made that up. We've got to write that down. Can you write that down for me? Right, that's effectively what presence is. We've got on We don't have to write it down because it's on the podcast. It was at 12 minutes. 12 minutes, okay. <laughs> so presence is that really. Presence is about you know, being so aware of all of those data streams. And when I mean data streams, I mean things like what you can see, what you can hear, what you can feel, all those things. Um, you know, if you're training, how hard it might feel, your, your actual data that you might have on your watch or your Garmin, um, the handling of your bike, all these kinds of things. So to, mi- to, to minimise any risks that you might, that might, might, might present and maximise opportunity that will be available to you. So, for example, let's say you talk about this in terms of intensity management. Presence is being able to triangulate your RPE, your heart rate, your, um, your, your pace, um, your conditions that you're running in, how tired you may or may not feel from, uh, as a result of training the day before, what you might have coming up the next day, what you might have coming up later on in the day, all those things, triangulate all that information to be able to make decisions in the moment about how hard you do or don't go. Um, but at the same time, being present enough to recognise that if perhaps things are feeling better than they are, that you can make a dynamic decision to adjust your session to, to be harder than maybe planned, bit risky this one but be higher than maybe plan but also consider that that might have an effect on other things that you've got coming up now the question is is you've got to be able to do that really quickly and without it ironically leading to distraction okay so that's a good example of something so some people will just have their set and they'll just do the set that they've planned to do they'll battle through it sometimes because even though it sh- they should probably ease off sometimes they will um uh you know, not push a little bit harder when actually it may have been the right thing to do. Often not the case, but sometimes is. And that's a little bit more difficult to explain, but I'll maybe try to in a minute. And they just kind of blindly follow the session. Or worse still, people, for example, that, you know, we run on a road here in Lanzarote, which is kind of flat, but, you know, you've got a little very false flat going up, false flat coming down. Is it called a false flat still coming down if it's down? I don't know. But anyway, you've got a false flat going up and down on each side of the halfway marker really haven't you yeah yeah and you know some people if they were running that course and you also headwind. have a headwind one way headwind, the headwind yeah. more than tailwind the other and shade on one part and not yeah. on the other so most people if they were running that if you give them a set not most people but a lot of people who've given them a set to do they would just try to run the pace that was in the set regardless of considering the circumstances the part of the lap they were running on and then they would wonder why they had you know some parts were harder, some parts were easier, heart rate didn't align with what the session was supposed to be, etc, etc. And that's the difference between focus and presence for me. 
okay? So that's really, really important. Um, now, I've used a similar example with this. So, so focus is, you know, being able to concentrate without being distracted on what you're doing. Presence is about being able to utilize all of the data streams effectively in such a way that you reduce risk to a minimum, increase opportunity to a maximum. Okay, so dis and distraction is basically neither of those two things. Distraction is not presence and it's not focus. So it's when something that isn't really contributing to what you're trying to achieve at any given time takes you away from your ability to focus and, and be focused on that thing or be present and therefore aware of the risks and opportunities. So distraction is something else. So, um, you know, a good example of this in a sporting environment would be if you were playing in front of a crowd. If you're playing in front, let's say, for example, you're playing football, rugby, hockey, whatever it might be, a team sport, tennis, something like that, where you're playing in front of a crowd and the crowd is, you know, a fundamental part of that environment. Your know, distraction is what the, often the crowd try to do to you, obviously. So if you're an opposition crowd, you know, I've played in front of some pretty hostile opposition crowds um, in my hockey days. And obviously what they're trying to do is distract you. They're trying to distract you from what you should be focusing on or what, or, or what you should be present or, or the environment you should be present in. And, um, you know, the key is, the, 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 the challenge is, can you still retain that focus or that presence um, despite the distraction being there? Now, of course, there's a bit of a flip to this because in that environment, that distraction can, in some people's cases, be part of an opportunity. So they actually, I've played hockey with guys that and one of our athletes who used to be a guy I played hockey with was talking about this last week, how he was able to utilise what the crowd would have felt was a distraction to him to actually enhance his level of presence and focus, which, I, you know, which is an incredible skill to have. Um, and, um, you know, that's, that's something that you can do sometimes in some of these environments. Of course, a non-hostile crowd can actually enhance your level of presence and focus. But, but... It doesn't always work in a positive because let's say, for example, for those of you that have done Ironmans or 70.3s, whatever it might be, how when you see your friends and family in a race, your adrenaline level goes up and sometimes you lose track of your pacing. You can easily overexert yourself in that moment or for an extended period of time because of that rush. And actually, that's also bad presence if you think about it. You know, obviously, it's a positive distraction and arguably doesn't affect things, but it is actually distracting you from your process. Um, and it happened too often, could cause you in some races to overexert yourself to the point where you blew up and sabotaged your journey. So it's quite an interesting one, this one. It's fascinating, isn't it, in that closed skill environments, things like golf, serving in tennis, snooker, archery and shooting events, um, you know, those that there's obviously an expectation that distractions are kept to a minimum. Athletes aren't expected to perform with distraction. You know, they're expected to be able to perform distraction free. And so arguably for closed skill environments, focus is enough. You know, focus is enough. You know, arguably taking a penalty in football or rugby or hockey, sports like that, is, you know, a focus Require you know an environment which requires focus, 
um, because there shouldn't necessarily be distraction. I, I get the point that you know in tennis your opponent might move or your goal, the goalkeeper might move in in other sports. Obviously, the, the, the posts don't move in rugby, um, but you know there might be a distraction. Um, but fundamentally, you know, the point is, if you're focused, you should be okay. Um, but it's difficult. It's difficult to do that. You know, if you remember, we talked about this before, the 1985 snooker final, you know, how distracted Dennis Taylor and Steve Davis were from, you know, what they were doing by the outcome, the con- the, you know, the outcome of what they were going to be doing. <laughs> um and if you haven't ever watched the 1985 snooker final, I appreciate a lot of people, that would seem like an awfully long time ago. I think it was before you were born, Liz, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, by some way. Yeah, <laughs> by some way. Um, it's still, I think, the most watched programme on BBC uh, on BBC Two. And um, but it's a great example of lots of things, actually, in terms of sporting psychology. And uh, it's, fasc- it's fascinating to watch. It's exciting to watch even now, I'd say. You have to know a little bit about snooker, but not a lot. So... In closed skill environments, often, you know, distraction is removed to allow people to execute those closed skills without having to move into a state of presence. But of course, in a normal sporting environment, say, and in snooker, you know, for example, it's always a closed skill. You know, you're not expected to hit the balls when they're moving or deal with a hostile crowd. Um, uh, You might have to, you know, back in the day, you might have had to deal with Alex Higgins fidgeting in the background, but you don't have to deal with too many issues. But in a sport like, say, football or rugby or hockey, and again in tennis, in normal play, focus wouldn't necessarily be enough. You'd need presence because you would have to make dynamic decisions in the moment uh, and adjust what you were doing. So, again, that's a good example of the difference between presence and focus. And I think, interestingly, in triathlon, this isn't necessarily something we see as a, or I certainly haven't experienced as a skill that is, so presence isn't something that triathletes necessarily demonstrate as ha- as having at a high level, either in training or racing. What do you think? Um, I, I, I totally agree. I yeah. think we've seen quite a lot of instances and yeah. um, where you can see like unforced errors being made. Yeah. And you think how, like literally you think, how, how has that happened? Like like bottles dropped, yeah. Um, like wrong wrong cornering, um, wrong direction on race Crashing courses. into cones at yeah. transition, we've seen that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, there's lots, isn't there? There's so yeah. many things. Even like people getting on their bikes coming out of T one. Yeah. Like no awareness of the surroundings and who's who's near yeah. them and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you do start to wonder like how does that happen? Yeah. Um, and um whether they're actually really looking at what's around them or not. And yeah. yeah, the thought process at times. And this is where there's maybe an overlap between focus and distraction. Sometimes being too focused can actually be a distraction because you should, you need to be present. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we saw this from Stefan Kuhn. Was it Stefan Kuhn who crashed at the oh, yeah. European Time Trial Championships? Look, I mean, I don't want to pass too much judgment because, you know, I wasn't there. But, you know, this, you could use this as a potential example. Um, if you, you know, it, 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 making a lot of assumptions, but it's a good, it's a good example for you to help to, to explain the difference. Is that he was obviously very focused on holding his position. He was probably very focused on his level of power, etc., etc., um, and his intensity. But he wasn't present enough of the road conditions and the changing in position of the um, uh, the railings. I mean, they didn't move in front of him, you know, but they they did move off the white line. 
um, or they had been aligned, so they were off the white line, and he wasn't present enough to be aware of that, and that caused him to crash straight into them. Yeah, um, we've seen you know these kinds of instances quite a lot, where people are so focused on what they're doing, it actually distracts them from other things they need to be aware of. And in triathletes, personally, I don't see this as being something triathletes practice a huge amount. When we take, I don't want to create a cliche, but when you take triathletes off the off road to ride, whether it be gravel bikes or mountain bikes, you do see, I want to say there's a skill piece there as well, but there's also a presence piece too, that, that seems to be a bit of a challenge, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I've seen some, you know, some pretty scary things from triathletes, both, you know, out on runs, um, out on the bike, and even in the pool, you know, some of the mistakes that people make, and, you know, do question sometimes where, you know, often that doesn't feel like it's a skill thing. It doesn't sometimes feel like it's an experience thing because some of these athletes, I've seen it with, are very experienced. It's a presence piece. And um, this is a skill you can learn. It's a skill you can practice, um, but you have to do it deliberately. And it is important. You know, Kobe Bryant, I think we might have said this on one of our other podcasts recently. Kobe Bryant said it's not the number of hours that you're, pre- you're at training, it's the number of hours you're present when you're at training. And that's really important. So this was something that we, you know, we, we, we talked about quite a lot and why it's important and why it's important, you know, in any journey, um, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, in, in your personal life, in the corporate environment, um, in, uh, in a professional, in any professional environment or a sporting environment, it's really important to be able to, to be able to differentiate between the three. Be aware of which one dominates your behavioural traits and your psyche. Um, understand you know, what you can do, what opportunities you have to develop, you know, pro- arguably presence. Um, and um, you know, work on that because it can be very liberating and very supportive of a developmental journey. Um, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's working you know, training better because you're able to make better dynamic decisions about things whether it's um uh you know allowing you to develop greater skills because of that level of presence in the pool or maybe riding off road it might be in a work environment if you're in a sales environment presence is extremely important your ability to read um you know potential clients body language you know verbal signals all of these things are really important. You know, if you just follow a process, a, a set of word patterns without reacting to the client that's in front of you, then your chance of being able to, you know, achieve your outcome of, of, say, of, of selling to the client or at least effectively presenting the product to the client so they can make an informed choice is diminished. Um, if you're presenting, it's important. You know, I know that when we run our workshops and our seminars, um, you know, I have a guide of what pattern I'm going to follow. I'm often asked, like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I can't really say because I don't know for sure till I get there. Um, and I, you know, over the years have f- often felt that I've preferred to take the risk of having a guide, but trusting my level of presence to be able to make a judgment call about the room. You know, what direction are we going to go in? How are we going to deliver this? Are we going to deliver it as a seminar? Are we going to deliver it as a workshop? Are we? How fast are we going to go? How slow are we going to go? Which points are we going to stay on? Which points are we going to go off? When do we need a break? When don't we need a break? Do we need an ice break? Or don't we need an ice break? That kind of thing. 
And that's about presence. That's about me having the presence to, to be able to understand that. Whereas if I was just focused on my presentation, for example, or my workshop, I could make the wrong decisions. Or worse still, if I was distracted. Let's say I was distracted by a... I don't know, he- well, heckler's probably a little bit of a weird term, but some of the... We haven't had any of these yet. Have, no, uh, well, I don't know, we've been close. I definitely have in bigger seminars I've done for corporates, close to hecklers, but, you know, somebody who's disengaged. Yeah. Yeah, and they're clearly, from their body language that's happening, you've got to try, or you've got to not be distracted by that. Or potentially consider, why are they disengaged? Is it because I'm getting this wrong? And it's like icebreakers. I don't do icebreakers all the time. Because I used to hate them. They used to make me so nervous. Yeah, exactly, right? So you've got to read the room quick. Because if you do an icebreaker with a bunch of blue people, it's not going to probably go down that well. You know, if everyone in the room, so if everyone in the room is like you, Lids. Well, it's like when they say, um, give us a fact that's interesting about yourself. Like, oh, bugger. Yes. <laughs> well, at least you can see your hair now. Now, yes. but back then, <laughs> what someone else written? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, somebody else is reading. Someone else is quick. But um, you know, where so if you've got a, if you've got a room full of like Lydia's, like <laughs> Lydia's blue, um, then you know it's going to make them feel really uncomfortable. If you've got a room full of people like me, I'm red generally. I'm just going to think of. Say, can we just get on with it? Um, if you've got a group of people like Lauren, she's like, brilliant icebreakers. <laughs> this wait. is the best bit of the day. I'm so pleased we're doing them. So, you know, you, you, again, but presence is about being able to read the room quickly um, and, and, you know, adjust accordingly, like reduce the risk of turning off your, your, um, your audience and increase the opportunity of turning them on. That's terrible. Like, turn off and turn on. I shouldn't have used that word. But anyway, you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So presence, focus, distraction. You know, there's a, a few ideas or an idea that we came up, we talked about, we thought about, discussed over the course of this week. The reason we've done it is because, like, this is one of your development points again. Huge development it? point, yeah. Yeah. You know, what do you, where do you think you find yourself quite a lot? Focus. Yeah, you're very good at focus. Yeah. But? Distraction. From the focus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we use the word fixated. Yeah. Didn't we? Yeah, yeah, basically, if you gave me a task to do, left me to it, yeah. I would just keep doing that until the cows come home. Yes. Um, and I wouldn't be assessing whether that's actually the most important thing to be doing at that point, yeah. or either way, could I also be doing it better? Yeah. So you're like a computer. Basically. Somebody said to me once, computers are stupid but hardworking. <laughs> I'm literally like that. Like, if you gave me a session to work through, yeah. I would just yeah. continue yeah. going. Yeah. Like, if you said, right, here you go, yeah. like, five hours, off you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be yeah. back in five hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. To, exactly. I, am, I am better Exactly than five I, hours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I am and you ride than... up and down the road to make it <laughs> no, five I've hours. I've never done that. Early. I've never done that. Not, not that. You might have done that. I once. might have done I am getting better yeah. um, at making like, more dynamic decisions. But yeah, yeah, across like life, like it's something I am working on a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and um, so it's important that, you know, you're able to, to get the balance right between those two things. And sometimes... You know, you might need or want focus. Interestingly, you've just started working with Total Endurance Nutrition, haven't you? With Jules. Yeah, we call them the Jules rules. Well, you do. Yeah, so Lydia and Lauren have just started working with Jules. And um, it's going really well, actually. It's brilliant. In fact, it's going very well. Um, Which also means I'm working with Jules because I'm too lazy to shop or buy food. I found out the other day that you can buy groceries on Deliveroo. 
<laughs> so if I was on my own, my entire life would revolve around delivery. My mm-hmm. my meal at night would probably be chicken shish kebab with chili sauce and salad every night. But um, you know, you and Lauren are quite diligent about your food, aren't you? And this has really helped. It, it does mean, like I said, I'm on effectively the same nutrition plan with a little bit extra portion size and another happy hippo. And an extra happy hippo. But anyway, sorry, Jules. Um, but um, you know, it's going really well because actually, in this particular case, you've been really committed to focus, haven't you? But haven't really wanted to have to worry too much about presence. Yeah. Because, because it's tiring. You can, too much presence can sometimes end up with decision fatigue yeah. for some people, can't yeah. it? Yeah. And for like, everyone, I suppose, reaches a point, don't they? Well, yeah. Like, I'm not saying I'm like him, but Obama did have the same suit every single day. Yeah. Because it's one less decision they'd have to make. Exactly. And yeah. that's kind of how this feels for me. Yeah. So, from your perspective, having someone else take autonomy over that process, you can really focus to make sure you do what she's telling you to do. You don't get distracted, but you don't, you're not required to be present. And sometimes that's okay because you want to then, you don't want to be distracted by that part of your journey. So you're helping someone else take you to a place of focus so that you can focus on and be present in the other bits of your journey that you need to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is really interesting Um, and everybody's different. So you've got to decide, you know, who you are and, you know, where you sit with these things, where your development areas are, where it matters that you develop, where it doesn't matter whether somebody else can take responsibility for it for you, that kind of thing. And like I said, everyone's different. Um, I'm a really strange example as well because I'm the person that loves everything to be... I love all the data, right? I want all of the data all of the time um, because I find it actually easier to function with all the data and filter it than I do to have some of the data and not filter it. So I don't know why. I really don't know why that is. Um, but I like everything happening once, if I can. Um, and um, I, I'm sure that can be quite tiring to be around. Um, and like, but, but even though I'm like that, because I'm like that, there are some things I want to remove some decision-making from. So I, again, like you, I, I like simplicity with my food. Yeah, yeah. Grab, eat the same thing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. Yeah, I was not allowed to do that. No, <laughs> I asked. <laughs> yeah, if I if I had the choice, you know, if, if someone fed me like a dog gets fed, I'd be pretty happy with that um, because you know I wouldn't have to think about it um, because that isn't something I want to think about. So I guess maybe I do like all the data all the time, but not with everything. So I'm just a hypocrite. <laughs> 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 what a conclusion <laughs> what a conclusion okay so we'll finish on that I think so there you go presence focus distraction something for you to think about um, again uh, let us know comments thoughts questions and think about how this again this time of year in particular any time of year I guess can help you with the next part of your journey that you're going to be on yeah and guys do do comment as well because it's quite nice we've had a few comments on our recent podcasts and um it's nice to see them and it helps us also to understand how we're getting these in terms of like the value add to you as well. Yes. You so have yeah. to like, so subscribe and share. Yeah, do that and share it, share it with friends too. So we actually, what is it Stephen Bartlett? Well, this is what I was trying to like work out. I mean, obviously, I'm not Stephen Bartlett. Because he changed. You like, Steve, you like Stephen Bartlett a lot, don't you? Yeah. yeah. So go on, tell them what he, he said. He changed because he, on the um, his podcast and his YouTube channel, he used to say yeah. like, subscribe, share. Yeah. And then he actually changed it to make it more meaningful to the individual. Yeah. So he went from saying what percentage of something like 73% of you haven't subscribed to this channel. Yeah. Um, but if you do this, then I can help you 
and I'll work tirelessly to improve this because of the value add that it creates by increasing the number of people who subscribe to the channel. And it went up, I was ridiculous, I'm, I'd have to check it, what the actual number was, but the percentage increase was astronomical after it said that. It was like 450%. Something like that, it was, yeah. it was nuts. Yeah. Um, but Which in our case was, might, might not be that many people, but... Um, it's all relative. It's all relative. But, um, so that might, that might work. Maybe yeah. we'll see. So if I'll you heard that, like, yeah, <laughs> let's see. I, we can't make any promises about the impact it'll have. We're not going to get on any guests because at the moment we don't have any guests, do we? Apart from if Logan, I was going to say Logan. Logan gets his squeaky toy out in the background or something. No, but, but we um, might do some with our uh, oh, yes. athletes at swim camp. Yes, but liking and subscribing and sharing isn't going to make any difference to that. No, it isn't. No, but if you like, subscribe, share, that would increase the engagement and interaction, and then we might get more questions, comments, topics that people might want us to discuss, and then yeah. we can do that. Um, we haven't really considered the, the prospect of getting guests on yet. We do want Lauren to do more of these, don't we? But yeah. she's just busy, isn't she? Very Gen busy. Genuinely busy. Um, and she does the YouTube editing and everything. So we kind of don't want to pester her too much to okay. do more work. Um, but um, we do want Lauren to do more of these because she's actually really, really good when she does them. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully she will. If you've got something you'd like Lauren to talk about, then maybe let us know. So... Okay, thanks very much for listening, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. We're going to go and sit in the sun and have a pizza, aren't we? Yeah, we've got to have an afternoon snack first. Oh, gosh. Is that on the... Yeah. That's on the nutrition plan. Okay. <laughs> we've, got, we've got dinner in an hour. Yeah, well, they're later, aren't they? Okay. Um, thanks very much, guys. Take care. Speak to you soon.